back with Movie Night. This is episode seven. I know the episode number this time. Uh, and this time it was my choice. And I chose a movie that I honestly hadn't really been thinking about until fairly recently. Uh, the movie is called The Northman. And it has a very ironic title, which I'm, I'll, I'll get into, for me at least, well, I'll get into as we go through this. But it is an extremely historically accurate depiction of a Viking epic. Blue's already making faces, and full, so the, after we watch the movie, whenever we do movie night, we usually have like a brief discussion where we give hints of what our thoughts were on the movie. We don't actually get into too much detail. Blue was not very uh, favorably inclined to this movie. I, on the <laughs> other hand, absolutely loved it. So this this should be interesting right off the bat. Before before we get into the the rigors of this breakdown, uh, I will like to say, for a Michael Bay film, this was pretty good. That is very disingenuous. <laughs> sorry, that, sorry, not disingenuous. <laughs> That's not being very gen generous to this movie because there was no explosions, there was no transformers like teabagging a, a building. There is a volcano. The ending scene is a little overindulgent. I will say that. Um, but no, I meant by that I mean it's all action, and I didn't give a fuck about any of the people. Again, I I feel like that's unfair because I I think that there was a lot of a, a lot of character. Like I thought there was a lot of quiet moments with character development. There were also a few like kind of surreal like ritual scenes where they were going through their and we shall cover all of them in detail yeah. today. And and so one of the things that we're going to be doing a little bit differently with this one because of how different our opinions were about the movie blue has provided me with his notes in text format they're all censored until i click on them and i'm going to be reading through blue's notes and we're going to start to like talk through them as we go through the movie rather than doing our normal thing where we go through like a plot synopsis and then kind of comment as we go um yeah should i get started i mean i already have the first let's, one revealed let's... Let's fucking go. The very All first right. thing you wrote was bad acting, which very, yep. I don't think it's a bad. I don't. I don't agree. I think they were just talking with an accent, and your British sensibilities didn't allow you to no, appreciate. No, not the accents. Just the fact that like they were all permanently stone faced, and they showed no emotion. There was no. Even when they were going to do something dramatic, it was in a monotone voice that it just didn't come over very, like, I, I wouldn't look at any of those acts and say they did a really good job. So, I'm going to counter with the first thing in my notes, because I think okay. that that was all very purposely done. I think that was part of the artistic intent of the movie, which sounds very pretentious, but what I wrote in like as the very very first thing in my notes was very intense atmosphere good music to set the tone I, I think that they were going for a very like stoic old school kind of and when i say old school i mean like going back to like the iliad or something like that like a very ancient epic kind of tone for the movie and i thought that that came across really well in the way that they were very stone-faced uh, I just thought it wasn't very expressive. 
All right. <coughs> Next thing in your notes. Predi- uh, yeah, that's true. Predictable betrayal. Yeah. I mean, so it- the second scene. Was this, in fact, it might have been part of the first scene still. The, uh, the, the, the father returns home yeah. with his brother. And the moment you see... Well, the moment I heard that he had a brother, I thought that's going to be a betrayal. Then I saw his brother looking like Severus Snape. And I was like, yeah, that's a fucking betrayal. Yeah. Well, and the, also, the, so the, the movie opens up, yeah, with the father coming back from a Viking raid. Um, he's welcomed back. He runs back inside and tells his mother, hey, you know, dad's home. And he's so all overjoyed and stuff like that. They go out to greet him. There's a very formalized ritual feel to everything. <coughs> and yeah, his brother comes out too and also greets him. They have a, a banquet dinner and then uh, the Green Goblin comes out and makes a joke. William Defoe plays the uh, the jester. Oh, really? That that was yeah. I it wasn't until Did you he... see him at any other point in the film. You remember the the head? Oh, he's the the the, the wise man. He's not the no? wise man. He's the head next to the wise man. Yeah, sorry. I meant the wise man of their village, not the wise man. No, no. He's he's sort of like the um. What is it? The so, I, the I don't shaman. know. If, I don't. No, no. He's not the shaman. I don't know if you uh. you know this, but like um, in a lot of medieval courts, they had like the the court jester was wasn't just like a comedian. Like he served a very real purpose a lot of times. He was the person, the only person who was supposed to be able to speak to the king disrespectfully. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you get a little bit of that when the father is like, he's he's my most trusted friend, even though he just made a joke about the king's wife banging his brother. Yeah. Anyway, but yes, so that all that all happens. Um, and fortuitous line. Yeah, and of course, you know the kid. He goes out with his father. They they do some kind of a. There's there's a lot of scenes in this movie where they go very deep into the the ritual aspect um if you click the next notes oh okay weird fucking ceremony (laughs) um yeah so the the vikings uh they actually used quite a bit of hallucinogenics in their religious rituals yeah mushrooms in particular and so the the dad and the son they go in for some kind of a ritual where a priest man is where they become furries yeah, they, like, they, they have to crawl and bark like a dog, and the priest man says stuff to them, and they drink, like, mushroom-laden water and then have a weird hallucination. And then have a bowl on the floor, and then they burp and fart, and I just was not my scene. I fucking hated that scene. Yeah, that, that I think, was a little bit unnecessary. Um, again, part of me respects it, though, because it is a commitment to, like, historical accuracy. Uh, there, there's a couple, and I know one of the ones that you probably didn't like later, but it is a very accurate piece of the way that they would, um, the way that the, the like the Norse Viking religions worked. But yeah, that was uh, the burping and farting, whatever. Um, then it cuts to him and his son. They're walking around in the woods and they have a conversation about like, if, oh, wait, in the woods? Yeah, they're out in the woods. The moment they leave that building. 
but they are in the woods. It's snowing out. They're outside. There's it's snowing outside. They're walking through like a like a little area. Are we not they, talking they about lit, that that building there next to you was what they just come out of? They didn't even get to the woods. <laughs> They literally stepped outside and it happened. So, I'm, but I'm thinking of, like, the, the the way the camera angle is, you're looking out at a forest. And yeah, they're, they're walking they're towards the forest. Yeah. Okay, anyway. I, I guess they're, it's a rural area. They walk outside, they're in the woods anyway. I, I thought that they were out in the forest. Doesn't matter. They're walking out into the forest, I'll say. And mm -hmm. they immediately the, like the the king gets shot by a bunch of arrows which brings us to the next node <laughs> very abrupt king death that's what i was reading uh, okay cool i'll do this every time the or, or something every time you want me to next. go to the next note yeah 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 so his his brother uh it's not clear that it's his brother yet but the king gets shot by a bunch of arrows he tells his son to run and he does and he hides behind a rock and sees a bunch of um cloaked armed men ride out on horses and they, they start stabbing him with spears and swords and things and he does his best to fight them off but they ultimately get him down on his knees he's like wounded to the point where he probably would die anyway and that's when one of them comes out pulls off his cloak and you see it's his brother next note uh yeah so the, the king does have an arrow in his neck <laughs> right through the middle of it it's not through the middle of it. I can. It's, it's go it comes out there and it goes in back there. So, it it's it comes in here and goes out the side of it. I think they were going for like a through the muscle kind of shot. Uh, unfortunately, Bullshit. I think it actually does go through like the jugular. So he probably would have yeah. bled out by then. Well, he wouldn't be able to fucking give a speech. True, but again, like many things in this movie, I think they were going for. An artistic sort of thing, and less for, um, oh, like no, you know, I can't say that medical accuracy. <clears throat> you were going to leave out one of the letters in that word I just said. I was going to change one of the letters. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, the king. The king gives a bit of a speech. He he lays a curse on his brother who is killing him, and then his brother beheads him, and then. Okay, next note. Uh, I think because they were focusing on... So, the, the, his next note is, why did they let the boy escape initially? And I think because they were trying to focus on the main target, which is the king, who had a sword out and was potentially maybe going to fight back. There was like 15, 20 of the fuckers. One guy could chase and kill the kid. True, but I don't think it's most people's instinct to go after a little boy. They were told to assassinate the king. They're going to assassinate the king. I'm Blue is saying. not they happy. They were right next to each other, and they were on horseback, the, the attacking people. It was... Anyway. That's true. But, again, I don't think... They... So, something I should say before we go too much further in the story. This this movie was loosely based on the plot of an old Danish uh, myth called Am Amleth, I think it is, or something like that. But essentially, it's the kind of mythical tale of a, a son who 
his father was killed and his quest for vengeance and so on and so on. And I think that the movie did a lot to try and make itself out to be like kind of a mythical retelling. So yeah, there's going to be little things like that. I personally can forgive those, but Blue's not happy. All right, next note. <laughs> he stabbed him in the nose with the eye right there. Oh, yeah. So uh, eventually the um, the brother does, like, once they've killed the king, say, oh, go after the kid, because that was the way things were done back in the day. Uh, entire clan killings were much more of a thing back in medieval times like yep. the idea being that if you didn't wipe out the whole family then the sons and other kin the uncles and whatever would come after you and kill you and your family uh so one of the guys eventually does catch the kid knocks him down and you know says something evil to him i think it was something like oh i'm you know i'm gonna make it slow or something like that yeah, and the kid pulls a dagger out, and I actually thought he did stab him in the eye. Yeah, so did I at first. But he actually but just later I realized. Yeah, he just slices his nose off, and the kid gets away. Yeah, um, yeah even though no one heard. Did, first of all, did the guy scream? There was a lot of times when people should have screamed and they didn't scream. Uh, yeah, and if he did scream, why the fuck didn't someone else hear him? I don't know, because there were quite a few people in the woods spread out. A lot of things about the kid's escape is a bit contrived. I, I will admit that. But don't worry, I've cataloged it for you. <laughs> oh God, did, is that what happens? Yep. Why did they? Oh no. Okay. Never mind. Um. Why did they kill the women of the village? Is so his... he gets back to the village. I don't know why he's going back to the village, considering that's where they go. But I mean, so again, think. Think about this logically. He's a, yeah. he's a panicked child. Where does a panicked child run? He runs home. Yeah, it was just it was it was stupid, but that's one of the more believable things I could believe. That's why that wasn't a note, but I'm just saying it was a bit stupid. Yeah, so he um, he runs back home and he does see quite like the the village is being attacked. So clearly this is like a full betrayal. Um Which is okay, right. So I didn't write down <clears throat> They killed the king outside of the village with only their people around and they killed all witnesses as far as they're aware. Why did they not just go back to the village and say the king and his son got killed by bandits or a bear or something like that? I'm the new king now because I am next in line for the throne. That's a fair point. I think that that, that would have made a lot more sense. But they didn't do that. They, they ended up... My mind canon which they don't establish in the story or in the movie is that like they were wiping out all the loyalists to the king and that would have made sense but i think they they probably should if that was what they were intending they probably should have said that you know in the movie they didn't so fair point all right but, yeah they kill a bunch of like peasants and villages that I, as far as i'm aware were not particularly lethal to them and knowing what folk vikings Tended to be like, I'm surprised that they would just kill the women. True. Uh, well, it could have also just yeah. been like heat of the moment, people running around, you run, you slash, you stab. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway. Like, small detail, but... They, they I, I agree that that is a bit illogical. All right, the next one. Why did he pick up the red blanket and how did he not get... The, um... So okay. the king in the village is like, I'll hide myself by wearing this vibrant red cloak so that, yeah, that the, no one else is wearing. The prince hides, sees his mother get kidnapped, uh, sees the slaughter going on, runs over to a corpse, sees that the corpse has a cloak on, pulls the cloak off, covers his face, and then runs. Um, again, I think the fact that it was red was an artistic choice, but I agree that, yeah. It's a bit illogical, but as to how he got away, I mean, battles are chaotic, especially at this point in history. You're not talking about, like, well-coordinated, like, warfare like you get now where you have special ops troops and stuff like that. I think it's perfectly reasonable that in the chaos he could easily, like, lose himself and run away. Mm. Anyway, uh, so Noseless Guy then comes back and tells him that... Uh, the, the the prince is dead. That he threw him in the, the water and he sank like a stone and so on and yeah. so on. And um, Uncle is now the new king. And the, it cuts to the kid like rowing away, um, chanting to himself, I will avenge my father. You know, I will save my mother. I will I will kill my uncle. Uh, fall there no. or something like that. Isn't he, isn't that, art, isn't that post jump cut? No, it isn't. It's okay. just before the jump cut. Okay. So he's he's chanting. <laughs> he's chanting to himself as he rows and rows and rows and rows away. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's a massive jump cut, and suddenly he's part of another tribe. In a yeah. different place. So I'll, I'll, there's no explanation. Do you want me to read the the notes or? Yeah, go for it. All right, so it's just while you're clicking it and reading it. Yeah. So the the next yeah the the next note is there's a massive jump cut. And now he's with another tribe, and... Oh, you were literally reading them out loud. Sorry. Um, it was just while you were clicking and reading it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he... Um, he's with a... Wolf tribe, for lack of a better word. They're yeah. all wearing, like, wolf skins, and they're all around a fire. There's a... I don't know what language this is. If it's Danish or Swedish. But they're they're chanting about how they're becoming the wolf and how they will drink the blood of their enemies and so on and so on. It's basically, a, the, they're getting amped up for a battle. And um, this is a good time to mention that this this movie goes pretty crazy between... There, there are three basic scenes that this movie has. There are battle scenes, which are intense and brutal and I think visually stunning. There are ritual scenes, which are, it's not clear at first when you watch them, whether you're watching something that's really happening or whether you're seeing something that's modified by the hallucinogenics that the people participating in the ritual are taking. And then there are more like calm scenes where it's people interacting with each other. Um... And it kind of jumps back and forth between them. This scene with the wolf people is very much one of those ritual scenes where... I don't know. I, I, personally, I feel like they go on a little bit too long. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's coming coming next in your notes. So I'm... I, it's, it's not It's not yet. Okay. So then they, they have the fight. 
Oh, right? did you didn't take any notes about the fight? Yeah, so um, no, because the fight was good. <laughs> so that's why you didn't write anything up. About yeah, it. it was like two minutes of good fighting, mm. and then yeah, and then I continued. Yeah, so <coughs> the, I want to talk about the fight a little bit because this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. They're yeah. raiding a small fortified town that has like a wooden palisade wall around it. And they're crawling up in wolf skins as camouflage. And then once they get spotted, they throw the wolf skins off and charge. Um, and again, it is a absolutely brutal scene, but it's where you see the main character, who is now a grown man, um, kind of at the peak of what he has been living up until now. Because he's been obsessed with this idea of vengeance and he's turned into just a massive hulk of a man and they chose i think they chose the perfect actor to play that role personally um one of the reasons i laughed about the title of this movie is the first time i ever saw him was in the tv show true blood the hbo one about vampires yeah um, and he played this ancient like thousand year old viking vampire right. called eric northman in that show right and this show is called the northman he's the main character just amused me when i saw he was the lead hmm. but yeah brutal scene the combat like again visually stunning watching this but then it it uh transfers into the, like the post battle where people are screaming and crying they're separating out the men and the women the children the strong and the weak and then there's just it, the p battle finishes and you get this like almost still frame of like all the Vikings doing poses in like sexy ways with the legs <laughs> up and stuff like that. Just I, all of them in one. Yeah, shot. I know exactly. So if you've ever seen like a sports team getting photographed where they're all in the exactly. bleachers and that's exactly what it looks like. And you're right, yeah. that is a bit. Posing it's, for a deodorant advert. It's one of the things that, again, I think is I put down to like the artistic intent of the movie rather than realism. Mm -hmm. but Blue is not impressed by that explanation so we'll move on <laughs> um, uh, yeah he's a, bit of a, he's a bit of an asshole yeah he's going around with a tribe that is raping, burning, pillaging mm. and he does not give a fuck about any of them and so I have very little cause to uh, pity his plight True. I suppose. I'm trying to think of another because there's another movie that kind of follows it, or maybe it was a book but essentially what I put this down to is like he's he's a man like he's not supposed to be a good guy he's not he's not a good guy in this movie he's the main person you're following along with but he's a person whose like entire yeah. young life was taken from him in an instant and from that point onward, he was obsessed with vengeance. And he's done horrible things in the pursuit of that vengeance, including what you see in this scene. No, but there's, there's anti-heroes, which I understand, uh, doing really shitty things in order to achieve a final goal. Even if it doesn't help their final goal, that's what they honestly believe. This is just... This is just him being a massive... C word. Yeah, but for years, I don't. I don't even see him as an anti-hero. I don't see him as any kind of hero. No, he's just a villain. 
He he does I not wouldn't, do anything for anyone in that film. I would not. D- Bullshit. Slave woman. We'll get to her later. We will. But I I don't think. <coughs> I wouldn't describe him as a hero or a villain. Like I think that this entire movie is based on a um. Uh, what is it like a mythical tale about why the pursuit of vengeance is bad and I think he is the paragon of that lesson like he's the person who is embodying someone who is obsessed with vengeance and basically throws his whole life away in the pursuit of that goal and I I, I wouldn't describe it as a hero or a villain because he's not a hero you're right but he's not a villain either because why he's doing all of this is perfectly understandable from his perspective. Anyway. So he then has a uh, bit of a scene where he talks to, I see you wrote here, female Nazebo, which is a character yes. from, it's a character from Heroes of the Storm. He, um, or she looks exactly like the witch doctor, uh, from Diablo three. Uh, a female version. It is kind of uncanny. <laughs> yeah, so she tells him essentially, like, well, honestly, what you just said that he's being a dick and she kind of foretells his future and gives him a vision of, of what's to come and all this other stuff. And then he, like, it flashes back and suddenly she's not there. And again, it's one of those scenes where. It's not quite clear if he actually did talk to her or if this was a hallucination that he had. Yeah. All right. Next uh, thing in the... Oh, did you have something to say? Uh, well, the the next thing that happened wasn't in my notes. Um, okay. So they talked to... He found out that uh, Uncle was... Mm. Yeah, you go. Yeah, so I thought that this was a bit of an interesting twist in the plot because... He's obsessed with vengeance, and you think that the plot is going to be he eventually makes his way back to his uncle's kingdom, you know, kills him and takes back what's rightfully his and, you know, rescues his mother and so on and so on. Um, but then, just in a, an aftermath scene where they're loading the slaves up and figuring out what boats they're going to go on and where they're going to be going to, he finds out, oh, some other random king you know, came in, conquered, kicked his uncle out. Now his uncle's living in Iceland as just like a minor chieftain. And um, so I, th- I thought that was an interesting little twist there. But he, his plan now changes. Now he's not becoming a great warrior to go and eventually take his kingdom back and avenge his father. Now he disguises himself as a slave by branding himself and hopping on the, or swimming out to sea and hopping on the boat, sneakily. Which is stupid, might I say, because why wouldn't he just be, go over to the boat people and be like, hey, I am gonna join you on the trip, because... Fair point. Yeah. Fair point. But, I'm, you're ruining this movie for me, Blue. (laughs) Good, good. Have you seen my next note? I haven't yet. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, mm, yeah, no one saw him sneak onto the boat. Yeah. Something that was I, missed. Yeah, that's... Um, there were like five guards on the boat. And let's say 
at least ten slaves, and no one noticed that he climbed on the boat, and that he was soaking wet, and everyone else was dry. And well, the other thing, this is the the thing that I thought was a bit of a plot hole here, was that no one recognized him. They had been raiding together like five minutes ago. How did they not know he was, you know, not a? The other thing is like the other people were for lack of a better term, <laughs> soft village folk, and he was this yeah. big old muscly Viking, clearly, even under the slave clothes. Yeah. But... And then the... a storm hit, and the next note was revealed. <laughs> <laughs> Random exhaustion on the boat. What do you mean yeah, exhaustion? he was suddenly exhausted, he was like, ugh, practically dead, there was a storm happening, and the girl... The slave girl that he had talked to very briefly was like cradling him in her arms and he was having a, a vision oh I don't think I wouldn't describe it as exhausted like he wasn't first I think it's reasonable for him to have been exhausted because just got off of battle hopped on the boat they're out exposed to the elements the boat's rocking around and so they can't sleep properly the little girl was running around and she just had her life turned upside down i i don't know i i don't agree but that's fine okay. um so Are you reading the next one there okay, i'm not reading the next one yet okay. so that we should explain who the girl is so the the yeah. first the, the only person that sees him slip onto the boat is one of the other slave girls uh, so somebody that had been taken from that village, um, creepy blonde chick, who the only other thing I've ever seen her in is uh, Queen's Gambit. Right, I knew I recognized her from somewhere. Yeah. That's, yeah, you're right. Um, not even blonde hair, white hair. Yeah, like the, like platinum, platinum blonde. Which, okay, go, don't do the next note, do the one below that. <laughs> okay. That girl's hair is so unnatural. <laughs> I mean, not to be me, her face is kind of unnatural too, but... There's there's a lot of touching up and very... Oh, you got to make the actors look pretty for the camera in this film. Is there really? Because his mother yes. doesn't get it at all. Like, her mother... Like, I, I think that one of the things that I wrote down... I mean, down like, in my... making the hair neater and that kind of thing, not re-sculpting someone's face. Oh, I was just talking about makeup in general, like... One of the things I have in my notes later is the fact that his his mother very distinctly does not wear makeup in her scenes. At least not in the later ones. I said, and this isn't actually to do with makeup, this is to do with the mother's face structure. Later in the film, uh, she turns the camera up point at one point, and I think my note is something like, Mother is now the Grinch? <laughs> Question mark? Oh god. Because she's got the bone structure of it. It's really weird. Again, I think that the the um, the other female character... So, this is the female character we were talking about a little bit earlier. The one that he meets in the boat. Her name is Olga. Um, I think that kind of the almost ethereal way that they make her look adds to sort of the surreal nature of the movie. Yeah, they try and make it look like a Valkyrie. Yeah. And I, I think that that's something that adds to the movie rather than detracts from it. But I will look at your next note. Uh, wants to fuck a slave girl he's just <laughs> murdered an entire village of and she's cuddling him for no fucking reason. Um, yeah. 
She is looking after him, she's cuddling him, she's like, oh, it'll be alright. You just murdered your entire fucking village, you're now a slave because of him. And you're looking after him, you stupid girl. I want to hear a response! Tell me! God damn it. Alright, two things. <laughs> One, I think that people in these times were a lot more practical than emotional. And two, I think that that probably was a bit rushed just for keeping the movie, like, on screen time. Because I think they were going to be on that boat for, like, 20 days. So it might be that they cut through a bunch of character development that would have happened. That's not an excuse. But I also think that what is an excuse is this movie was trying to portray things as accurate to the times. Uh, regarding the uh, comment about the people weren't so emotionally fragile, remember that the main character in this plot, how many m hundreds of men has he murdered in the pursuit of getting revenge for his father? I think that vengeance was a more practical <laughs> thing back in the day. <laughs> so it would have been vengeful for her complete... to stab him in the throat God, throw it... overboard. Alright, fuck. It's a completely bullshit excuse, I admit that. Let's let's move on to the next point. Okay. I, I fail at this one, you win this point. Let's, let's... Okay. <laughs> Um So the next one is is after they've got to the vote and they're introducing the guy's family. So oh okay. It's not for a little while. Okay. Yeah, so they, they arrive, and there's a bit of a scene where the um, the uncle is talking to his sons, and they're, you know, introducing the, the new slaves that have arrived, including this guy. He doesn't recognize him, obviously, because he hasn't seen him in, like, you know, 10 or 15 years. And, like, they choose which slaves are going to keep, which ones they aren't, which ones are going to be sold. Um, there's a bit of a like scene where um the father is talking to his son and you know, teaching him he he says something i don't know if this is the line you're talking about but he uh he says to his son you know his son asks why are we working on this fence you know we have slaves to do that and no not him he was not too bad it was the older son that was being a man that was a they oh were yeah, just you're making right. the evil people very excessively throughout the film, not just the family, like the guards and things. They were like, any opportunity, the guards were like, "Oh fuck you for being a slave," kind of thing. I or, again, yeah. I I I don't think I wouldn't describe it as evil. I would describe it as human, because any time, and this is this go throughout history. This is. This is something that is is just like very easily like proven. Anytime a human being has power over another human being, they tend to be a dick to them. And that was what you were seeing there is you see normal people, these guards, who they have power over these other people because they're higher ranked than the you know the slave people that are working. Um you know, for the, the problem I have with calling it human is that human also encompasses love and compassion and doing the right thing, which these people are a lot closer to being dickheads than human. These people are much closer to being medieval humans than modern humans. You're, you're just... You're judging history's morality based on today's morality. Well, we don't personally know exactly how they were, so... 
I'm going based off of what we know. I'm going based on... I, I disagree. I think we, we don't know exactly how people work day to day, but we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books from the time that talk about how people were. We have tons of stories from the time that talk about how people were. So and I you think and I have read a fraction of them. We've read a fraction of them, but we've also read a decent amount of people who have read a lot more. Granted, that's third-hand knowledge, but I still think you can make reasonable assumptions about how people were based on that information. And it's very, very clear to me from, from that information that, like, we have very different morals today than existed at the time. And so I, I think that calling them evil is wrong. You can call them dicks. You can say that they were assholes. That's, that's perfectly valid. But well, then I at think what point saying, does something become evil? Because evil is a human construct. It is. And I think it's a construct of the time you live in. So, like, for instance, today, yes, if those people existed today acting how they did in the movie, they would be evil. But those people acting how they did at the time would not be evil. That's my... What, what, what would their interpretation of evil be? So, we get to that later in the movie, in fact. And I'm going to explain okay. a little bit, because I, I have a feeling that uh, a couple of the... The ways he kills his victims later in the movie is something that would be described as evil at the time, but it's evil because of religious reasons. Uh, in again, the religion they followed at the time. So we'll, yeah. we'll 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 get to that. All right. So next note. Uh, no, that's when that's after the fox goes to the cave. Okay. So I thought things were going to change very quickly, but they actually kind of did a bit of a bait and switch. He gets selected as one of the slaves that's going to stay. And um, they're sleeping in the barn. And he sneaks out the very, very first night and does a little bit of a scout around the, uh, the farm. Yeah, why have they got a big hole in the roof of the servants? It's a barn. Slaves, of why, yeah, why put a hole in the top of it? That's common. Most barns have a little door up at the very top in the loft. Where you keep your slaves? Well, where I mean, it's got enough holes in it, it's not exactly needed for ventilation. They, they make this point in the show, like, where are they going to go? They're on Iceland, in an isolated area, surrounded They're by mountains. they stab their captors! Oh my god! <laughs> And then what? Then they get killed by the guards later. Like, it's it's a it's a very different culture than what we have now. That would be a anyway, logical yes. thing for a modern person to do. You're right, but not a logical thing for a person living at the time. His eye is twitching. He's so unhappy with my explanation. Go <laughs> on, go on. All right. Uh, so he gets out, he, he wanders around, he gets spotted by a fox that has stolen a hen, um, he overhears some conversations, uh, and then eventually he, he sees the house up on the hill, which is where he knows his uncle is, and where he knows that his mother is being kept, and so on and so on, and then, uh, he, he goes back to the barn and goes to sleep. Uh, and it's later that he goes and sneaks out again, 
and talks to kind of a, another witch person, like another uh, wise man yeah, that's on I, the island. At first, I thought, is that Loki? Because they're using a fox. But no, it's just it's just a dude, crazy dude. Yeah. So the crazy dude that he talks to on the island is the um, you know the the wise man because they were no matter where the village was going to be set up, there was going to be a wise man somewhere. He goes off and talks to him, and he has the head of the wise man from the previous uh, village, which. You're right, that was the same guy, the uh, Jester and the Wise Man. Now that I'm thinking about it, they were the same person. Yeah. And um, they have another kind of intense scene where he's trying to get information out of him and they end up having another vision sequence about him finding love and having to choose between loving his kin and getting his event re revenge. Um, assuming Amir is the ritual guy, I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm waiting. I'm trying to figure out where this note Amir goes. Amir is the 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 person, the jester. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. It's because they said the word, the name Amir, and I was like, do I know Amir? <laughs> I, maybe that's that person. Yeah. Um, it is. And that then guy. the the next two notes can kind of be opened at the same time now. Um. Hello, Bobby. I thought the same yeah. thing. I thought the they same. were like, "Are they ripping off Pirates of the Caribbean?" That's like such a weird line to rip. There, there's a line, yeah, in the movie where he goes like, "Hello, Bobby," and yeah. um, it, it sounded exactly like that. But I don't know if they're ripping it off or not. I hope and, not. Uh, yeah, to 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 summon the soul of Amir back to his skull. The, the witch guy does some weird, like, twerking. Front twerking, I think is the best way of describing it. Mm. Uh, in front of the fire. And so, and there's, like, a skull in front of his crotch as well. It looks like he's fucking the back of the skull into life. Yeah, ritual dancing. Uh, I, I know the scene you're talking about, and it is a bit weird. It's a bit fucking weird. Um, yeah, he, so the, the skull says, Hello, Poppy! He for also, no fucking reason. He also does foretell that, like he's where he's going to find the weapon that he's going to be able to use to kill his his uncle, and yeah. I think they cut to that scene next where he gets the weapon. Yes. Yeah. So, so you can you can reveal the next one. All right. He had. Oh yeah. So he he gets a rope and he drops down into this like crypt area where he's supposed to find the sword. And so you find the end portal to take the end where the dragon is. Uh, it on. is a bit they don't really explain a lot about how he gets there or why it's well, what there what the rope was attached to honestly because it was a just a plain fucking hill there was no trees there and he manages to put a rope down to it that can hold his weight you're again. Well, I didn't write it in the notes because again it was too small of a thing but fuck me <laughs> I think you were you were looking for a very very practical movie where they're gonna like there's gonna be a logical reason for everything, but this is more along the lines of watching a movie that is a myth. Like it's not supposed to all make sense. It's supposed to be narratively. It's the small details that I can happy. I'm happy with all the gods and the religious shit. It's the fact that all they had to do was put a rock next to the hole and it would have made sense. Like that's it. <laughs> I 
and those hills are as smooth as the fucking Teletubbies land. And it's right? the, it's the opposite for me. Like I I don't I don't need all the small details. Like I, but I want the gods and the myths to make sense. They need to make make sense canonically in their thing, but in the same way of when you're watching an alien film and in this universe they have aliens, you just accept that the aliens are real as a species. You don't say, hang on a second, that alien shouldn't be able to stand because of this bone structure. See, but I think that's where we, we disagree. Like, sci-fi, yes. I want, when I watch sci-fi, I want it to all make sense. I want the science to be, like, solid and accurate, or at least reasonable. But when I'm watching, like, you know, a movie about a myth, a movie about history, I don't need all of, like, I need the historical details to be correct, but I don't need, like, all the practical details to be perfectly laid out. I know I'm on shaky <laughs> ground here, but I, I really think... I'm tr trying... This, this is me also trying to, like understand why I liked this movie so much. Yeah. But, okay, let's go on. Yes. <laughs> mm. So he's down in his, uh, like, in, in the, the crypt, crypt, and he has this, like, he goes up to grab the sword from the, like, there's a, a dead body, like, laid out in full armor with the sword on his lap. When he grabs the sword, the body stands up, this zombie dragger, and then they have a fight and I think what I wrote in my note was oh zombie fight is this all in his head was what I, I wrote in my notes and so he ends up beating it takes its head off and um, so I I don't know if this is next in your notes I'm gonna peek no it isn't so I, I fully expected this to be something that you wrote down as a problem um, when he decapitates oh. the Draugr and shoves its head in its ass. Does he? Yes. You, I, I might have been writing while that happened, so... Yeah, so this is this is a thing in um, the, the Viking religion. So one of the most horrendous things you can do... Because they, they... About, like, Valhalla and how their, their afterlife was going to go. One of the most mm. horrendous things you could do to an enemy's corpse was to decapitate it and then shove its head like put its face against its own ass i don't remember the oh. exact reason but it's supposed to do something it i think it might <laughs> i think it might like prevent them from getting to the afterlife or something like that it but it, it's I'm something i'm not gonna lie if i had seen that that would definitely have been on the list because that I, sounds stupid as fuck <laughs> it sounds again sounds stupid by modern standards yeah that's right you old undead fucker taste your farts <laughs> but in the Viking religion, this was something that, like, was considered, like, one of the most heinous things you could do to somebody after they were dead. Yeah. Um, and that, that bit of symbolism, I think, also continues to contribute to my, like, appreciation for how much length the director went to, like, learn about Norse mythology before he did this. I see. Um, anyway, so I think we had the. Uh, so he takes the sword and leaves the crypt. He takes the sword, leaves the crypt, and he thinks that he's like he he's out with the sword. And it, you think that he's actually going to go off and 
murder the uncle now at first, but instead he just ends up like he has so many opportunities to murder the uncle. Yeah, but and again, a lot of this comes down to how much the main character believes in his own fate. Because he doesn't, because it's been foretold that he has to fight him in a certain circumstance at a certain time. And yet, if he had, maybe things would have turned out better. True. And that's a... (laughs) I'm going to beat this point to death, but the idea of, like, destiny and fate and magic and stuff were very, very real to people who lived at this time. A modern person, you're 100% correct. A modern person would look past that and take the practical steps to accomplish their goal without sabotaging themselves. But a person at this time, what he did was perfectly logical because to them, magic and ritual and things were very, very real. Anyway, so a dog almost spots him and is growling and he just like intimidates it by like growling back at the dog and somehow the guards were the doggo it's very uncool yeah and somehow the well i mean worse things happen to the dogs later um so the guards don't see him and uh what happens next he goes to i think he goes back no he hides the sword and then he uh he goes back to sleep I think actually I think I could be wrong when he's hiding behind that bushel before the dog spots him I think he goes to open the blade and the blade wouldn't separate I think oh I didn't pick up on that you're right he he goes to pull it out I thought it was him changing his mind I didn't think it was him not able to draw the sword because there was a couple of times where people have tried to take the sword and then it just doesn't... No, that that makes more sense because you're right. Later in the movie, somebody else tries to draw his blade and is unable to. Yeah. Um, so I think that the next thing that happens is whacking stickball. No, 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 no. What happens next then? Uh, before that, the evil uncle goes to the female slave's quarters... Oh, yeah, you're right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the next note? I did, I did. Okay, cool. Uh, so, the the uncle goes, and he's gonna, you know, try to get with Olga, the uh, platinum blonde chick from the boat. And there, there's been a couple scenes before now where the two of them have kind of had minor interactions with each, each other. They're not very interesting, though. I, I thought they were, but we'll we'll move past them. Um, because I think it it establishes those scenes. uh, This is the only thing I'll say. Those scenes kind of establish her as a person who is very intelligent and somebody who is very. I want to say calm under pressure, but that's not really the right word. She's very cold, but she's cold in a way that, like, she doesn't make decisions emotionally at sure all right for the most part no i I mostly agree with that okay so he he spot when he's you know skulking around he uh sees her in the barn and the his uncle going in there um planning to have his way with her and uh she 
you know, lifts her shift up and it, you know, she's that time of the month. Yeah. And um, he says, oh, I don't care. Just a little blood or whatever. And then um, she wipes a little bit of it off and slaps him in the face with it. Um, at which point, you know, he he whacks her and he tells the other slave girl, you know, to you know, make sure punish she doesn't yeah. not, not punish her, but make sure she's more disciplined or something like that. Or it'll yeah. be your head. I thought he said to discipline her, which was kind of my way of saying punishment. Yeah, I, I think it was more like, <clears throat> you know, teach her to be obedient. Anyway, so that that scene happens. Um, she leaves. No, sorry. He leaves, goes back. And that's that's when the guy then goes back and we, we transition to the next scene. And the, the next morning, um, asshole son, which is the older son, comes over and he has the most pathetic beard I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, I just... <laughs> he, he is the quintessential evil character that is pathetic and just hopeless and also an asshole. Yeah. I, I would describe him as, like, he's... He's the first... The first bo- to die. <laughs> Sorry. What I was going to say, he's he's like the firstborn son who feels inadequate and is overcompensating like crazy. Like he's he's constantly trying to be like the bigger man and bully the slaves and just essentially trying to pick on people to make himself feel bigger. Like that yeah. that kind of that's his character throughout most of the show. Uh, yeah, so he asks, he comes up to, uh, our, our main character here and asks him if he knows, he's like, slave, do you know how to fight? And, um, he of course, you know, nods and takes him off and to join the, I don't know how to describe this game. It's like lacrosse if you were allowed to beat the shit out of each other. It's like Blood Bowl, but... Instead of it being American football, it was lacrosse. Yeah. Do you know what Blood Bowl is? I do. Okay, cool. So, they... Essentially, there's two sticks on opposite sides of the field. They've got big wooden uh, sticks. And there's a ball on the field that gets tossed up. And the two teams of five people fight each other over the ball. The idea is to um, get to the other end and whack the ball against the stake in the ground on the opposite side. And it's established very quickly this is a very brutal game. Like, some guy gets his teeth caved in in the first, like, minute of it. Yeah. And um, there's this big hulking dude on the other team who the main character kind of gets into a bit of a confrontation with, and you think it's going to be about those two. And then the little kid, the younger um, son... What notes have you revealed up to this point? uh, That looks like a fun game. Okay, you can do the the next two, I'd say. Okay. Love the vibes of the asshole. I'm assuming you're talking about the angry guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the guy. He was so happy. He He was was. so happy when he was playing. He was just like, he was beating the shit out of people and he was just roaring and smiling. He he was a very jolly fellow. He was. Uh, And then wait, what the fuck just happened is your next note. (laughs) I'm assuming you're talking about the little kid. What's about to happen, yeah. Yeah, so the the younger brother of asshole dude um, is getting really into the game and sees that his father's team is losing. And um, something that 
I think is contextually relevant to this scene is that oftentimes these games would be used uh like you know how like in greek mythology and stuff there's like single combat to decide a battle instead of having you know two armies fight this is a similar thing so they would have these games instead of two rival chieftains fighting and so there might have been land or money or rights riding on this game which explains right. why the kid was getting so into it, because the kid is like, oh, my f- my father's team is losing. This is our, our family is losing prestige. Our family might be losing land, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, the little kid runs out into the field, grabs the ball and is running towards the other goal to try and like score for his team. Big man runs after him and with no mercy whatsoever, just clubs the kid with his stick. And then makes I don't like think he does that. He just pushes him aside. It looked like it looked very light. The, the, the push. That's the way it looked. But considering how much he was bleeding, I, I think he probably hit him with the stick. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. In the scene, it actually looked like the kid just got shoved. But yeah. he's he's on the ground, unconscious and bleeding. And the guy puts the ball next to the kid's head and goes to make a whack, like he's gonna take the kid out. Yeah. Um. And this is one of the first moments where you see the main character's conviction to his vengeance crack. Because he charges Big Man as he's about... Because keep in mind, the little kid is his stepbrother. Because, you know, his... Not stepbrother, uh, brother and... No. What's the right term for that? Half-brother. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Because he's, you know... Half-brother and cousin. Oh, God, that's weird. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of relations going on there. He's kin, basically. And so he tackles big guy down and just clobbers him to death with his fist. Oh, I thought he nutted him to death. I thought he used his fist. He might have done. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, so he beats the the big guy down, kills him, and uh, saves his little half-brother and um, kind of wanders off. And... I, I actually found this scene kind of poignant when he's just kind of he's done this thing he saved a little kid and then just wanders off and stares off into the distance and I think I saw that as the first moment that he starts to question his quest for vengeance and yeah. think maybe this is because he instinctually saved his kin anyway mm-hmm. um, and as a result uh, his uncle wins the game, kid's saved, and he, kid wakes up and has the little funny line of just like, did we win? Yeah. Um, yeah. Next note? Yep. Sex dance. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you do after a good game of, uh, of lacrosse? They... Sex dance. <laughs> I imagine a lot of uh, men do that. Um, so there's there's another ritual scene in the forest where people are dressed up like, to use a Greek equivalent, nymphs. They've got the little braids of holly and thorns in their hair, and they're running around they, naked they were in the imitating, forest. They were imitating that scene from The Matrix 3, where in that cave having a rave, and then they all just start fucking each other. That's The Matrix 2. <laughs> Get it right. It two? Yeah. Uh, Two's the shit one. Two and three are bad. Two's worse. Okay. 
Sorry. Quick side note, my opinion on the Matrix movies. <laughs> the first one is really good. The yeah. third one is an okay action movie. The second action one is just... Movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The second one is just crap all around. Yeah. All right. But yeah, so they have this ritual in the forest. People are banging. People are naked. Um, I think you said something after the movie along the lines of... Um, like, how do they not all have pine cones? Bah, 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 bah. Oh, is that, is that... I'm sorry, is that the next note? That's the note after the next note. <laughs> Alright. So him and Olga, the platinum blonde chick, they kind of... Something happens. So there's the dance, and mm. then something else happens, I think. He has... Yes. The guys come over to him. Yeah. And, oh, um, the, uh, what is it? The, uh, asshole son. Yeah. Asshole son comes over, and he says to him, like, we... We won the game today because of you. You will have privileges. And he's like, you will be allowed to have less burdensome labor. You will command others. And you may have a woman of your choosing. Even the, the blonde bitch or whatever he calls her. Yeah. Uh, but he, you're he calls a slave her... and you always will be. Exactly. He's like, we'll never free you, but you're, you've, you've ranked up in the slave hierarchy. Yeah. Ding. And... <laughs> <laughs> And so, that's that's his in. Like he's now a bit more prestigious because he saved the brother's life. He, you know, won and the, the game for them. Yeah. And I think that again, going back to the the context, I think that's one of the considering how important that game probably was. So not only did he save him, but because of the context of the game, I think that's that's two of the reasons why he uh, he gets those privileges. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Giant rave in the forest. Bangs blonde chick. Next two notes. I will open them now. Sex dance after party. I can only imagine how many pine cones got stuck in their asses. <laughs> Sorry, he actually wrote arses? Yes. Do I need to pronounce it the British? British. <laughs> Correct. Um, <laughs> Sorry, pause to take a sip of tea. That's alright. So, uh, yeah, this they, is... they start fucking... They do, but and then, but in the post-coital aftermath, they decide to uh, form form a conspiracy against their slave. The aftermath. It wasn't a war, Kaiser. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wanted to say post-coital. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so uh, they yes, they find them. Yeah, they they form a conspiracy against the slave master. He kind of unveils why he's going after them. And I think, if I remember right, she she's also former royalty, too, that has kind of lost everything and been sold into slavery. And this is when they have their kind of heart-to-heart -heart about everything that's, that's, that's happened and form a conspiracy together. Um, so then he, he, starts, he starts hallucinating again that night. Oh, 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 you're right. Oh, what, what, who's the first? He, he, he swears that until he kills his uncle, he's going to like sow chaos and cause yeah. all kinds of problems around the farm. Yeah. And I think like a couple of the brother's friends go into a barn or something like that. And, they give the toilet. And he murks them there. And he says something yeah. along the lines of... Um, I think he... Does he apologize to them? He says some kind of conciliatory thing. He says, you're the first of many. That's something. what it was, yeah. 
He's, uh, but I think yeah, he, he really hitmans the waiting until they get into the toilet and then <laughs> murdering them in the toilet. Yeah, I mean, if it was Hitman, he would have thrown a can of spaghetti at them. Hitman is a big fan of drowning people in latrines. True. I never did. I never took that particular route when I played the game, but you know, to each their own. Uh, so this is again. I see your next note is BDSM sacrifice. What? No, it's not the one above it. Oh, Corpse Unicorn. Yes. So, again, this, this goes back to what you missed earlier when he decapitated the Draugr and stuck its head in its ass. Yeah. By mutilating the corpses and linking them together like that, again, it's a ritual form of essentially destroying their afterlife. Yeah, so the next morning, you see it, it's, it's everyone being devastated and they're looking at a wall and it's got, like, 20 body parts of the two yeah. people strung up and it looks like a corpse unicorn yeah that's how the, i described it the person who's the most distraught about this is asshole kid yeah um who like apparently they were his best friends they were the two guys next to him the previous night when he gave him his new privileges right i didn't notice that and so, um, like, he's distraught about this. He runs over and he, he, like, beats a random slave, just, like, screaming about, oh, who did this? What's going on? And his dad slaps him and is like, you know. I think they think it's... So that game that they won was over slaves. And he was beating the slaves that came from the other camp because he thought that they were the ones that had done it. Well, what he says, though, is that he thinks it was the Catholics, because they have Catholic yeah. slaves, and so he's... he's. I thought that the other family was Catholic. Was oh, maybe like... that maybe that's what it was. I didn't pick up on that, but you, you might be right. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that the... Uh, I think they did a very good job here showing how the intersection of very different religions, like, played out back in the day. Yeah. Because one of the guys goes... Of course it was the Catholics. They worship yeah. a corpse. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, so he, he goes a bit ballistic and his dad, like, slaps him <laughs> and is like, be a man, you know, don't don't show your weakness in front of these people and so on and so mm. on. Um... You have BDSM sacrifice. Are you talking about the same thing, or...? So, the old lady of the village is like... We need to talk to the gods about this. Yeah, and I'm so I'm going to make a sacrifice. Right, and they're going to sacrifice a slave person. Um, yeah. And so they have her, like, bound and gagged, and they're doing a bit of a ritual. Literally, it looks very smutty. <laughs> there are some people that like being tied up that way. Um, yeah, just the full works. That old lady knows her way around the ropes. I'm going uh, to have fun editing this clip from the movie into this exact point in the conversation <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> um yeah so but the thing is like they what they do to i, I think there's something else that happens before this though there, there's some other act of sabotage that he does right um the dogs so he he's outside the the house I and he's a different night because that that was when BDSM sacrifice happens after that, I think. The the, uh, the are we talking about when the the dog got out? No, because no, I, I wrote the middle, so the doggo thing must have been next. Okay, okay. So, yes, because right. sorry. Get, nope. Tell this me. This was the start of that night, 
and then they rushed rushed out of the sacrifice room because oh. shit was getting fucky. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. So they're about to sacrifice. You're yeah. I'm getting two nights. I'm thinking of the LSD night that happens later. Mm. Um. Yeah. So sacrifice things happening, and then um he's up on a hill like howling. Uh, because again, part of the wolf tribe gives you magic powers. Apparently. Uh, and so all the dogs start to go completely crazy because of all the howling. And so the the loyal dog for the uh, the uncle goes and attacks him, and um, his main character's mother has to stab the dog to try and like prevent him from goring her husband, the uncle. And then they out for the doggos. Yeah, and they they go outside. I think actually what I yeah that's what I have in my notes is poor doggo. And so the other dogs end up going ballistic around the camp, and they end up having to kill like most of the most of their their dogs, um, mm. which again, poor doggos. Uh, uh, and oh sucks. no, and no, sorry. And then they go into the room where the sacrifice was supposed to be happening. Yeah. And priestess chick, old lady, is now she's the one hogtied, and. Um, the priest dude who was the one who was going to do the sacrifice with her is hung upside down with his bowels hanging out like they yeah. they slit his stomach Skets. open and yeah again a lot of significance in that because that is an extremely slow way to die like you're if you get this you got to you got to really hope that he does die before the people get back cuz otherwise he's like yeah this fucker did it True, unless he was quick and quiet about it. I think the guy was blindfolded. Uh, maybe. Yeah, it's possible. But yeah, very anyway, demonic. Yeah, and this is this is where in the story, like we were talking about, um, what evil would be like at the time. The things he starts to do at this point in the movie, this is where what people of the time would describe as evil because he's not sacrilegious more than anything else sacrilegious but he's he's ruining people's afterlife by the way he's disemboweling them and the way that he's mutilating their corpses so this is what people of the time and of that culture would have described as evil so going back to the the point we were talking about earlier yeah um <clears throat> what film have i seen this actress in is your next note yeah the, the 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 Queen's Gambit. I already answered that one. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, very artistic displays. Oh, that was the that was the that was the yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was the guy that was upside down. I, I kind of assumed yeah. what you meant by that note. Yeah. Um, this the next one was the L LSD note. Yeah. So, what they do at this point is they realize that there's something going on, and they decide to set their slaves to helping guard at night yeah they think the gods are against them yeah that there's some demonic spirits out there who are coming after them mm. and so they give the slaves sticks tie them to stakes and have them guarding the perimeter of the farm do they tie them stakes they do yeah they have like a leather oh. band around their stomach tied to a stake oh. um and but what they do is him and the olga chick 
uh, they they concoct a plan to put hallucinogenic mushrooms into the soup that they feed the guards. I, have you ever heard the phrase, a bad trip? Yeah, but if you've read my next note... I'm looking at it. That's a pretty bad note. That's a pretty bad trip. There, one of the guards in, in the next scene is, after he's like completely and totally off his rocker, is stabbing himself in the neck. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. And what Blue wrote was, what mushroom makes you stab yourself in the neck repeatedly? Uh, I like, can't after answer the that. first one, you'd probably stop. I can't answer that question because I personally have never taken hallucinogens. Me neither, but like, damn. And also, why was there like, even after those nights of killing, mm. there were still fucking tons of guards. I think what's implied by the movie, but not outright stated, is the fact that it's a fairly large village. Like, you only see a few people at a time, but if you remember the first night that he's wandering around and looking around, there's like a big household on the hill, there's a bunch of hovels all over the place. So we're probably talking about a village of, you know, a few hundred people. So there's probably at least, even if he kills, like, 10 guards there's probably another like 10 more at this point but half your guards being gone is still a significant change mm-hmm. uh, but yes then he sneaks into his mother's quarters so and here's where one of the biggest like plot twists happens so he he sneaks when all of this crazy shit is happening he gets away because all the guards are going crazy all the men are out trying to figure out why the guards are going crazy and yep. he sneaks into his, his mother's room. And um, I see your next note. Why is he watching his mother get undressed? He just stands there behind the blackboard watching. So I didn't take this the way you did. I took this as like, this is the moment he's been building up to for like 12 years. Like he's finally going to rescue his mother. And so he just... But he's not because he puts her at sword point. Because she doesn't know him, and it's very possible she could react violently when he comes in there. Because she probably was armed, which is a plot point later. Um, Anyway, so he goes in there, she turns around, he announces himself as her, her former son. At first, she's like, wow, that's a big sword you've got there. Yeah, she mocks him at first. Yeah, she, she's completely confident, just like... Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a. She's trying to fuck him. No, I took Disarmed that. Disarmed through. Yeah. I took that as like, um, well, I'm not gonna die begging. I'm gonna, you know, make fun of you. Right. Anyway, so uh, he reveals himself. He's like, you know, don't jest. You know, I'm I'm your son, and so on and so on. And then then when she everything clicks, um, the. The two of them have what you think is going to be a heart-to-heart. Do I need to reveal the next note? Uh, yeah, you can. She looks like the Grinch now. There's that note you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm the next one. There's no one I don't hate. Um, <laughs> yeah. Are they going I to I hate ma- all the characters. <laughs> I think... <laughs> There's not one character that I'm not like... I, 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 will, I will challenge you 
uh, at the end of this movie, I think there's one character that we can both agree on is a, a decent character. The dog. The horse. Neither. It's not an animal. It's a human. Uh, anyway. Oh. Well, good luck, then. So the mother then reveals that everything that like he's been thinking up until now was essentially a sham. It turns out that she was a former slave and, uh, like, his father, like, originally just took her by force and then eventually freed her and married her. Um, and that her, like, his uncle was actually, like, a kind, loving man who, you know, she was in love with. And she was the one that asked the uncle to take out the father and to take out... The son as well, sorry. She on. wasn't actually getting badly treated with the old father. Sure, he didn't love her, and she didn't love him. But she was living on a king's salary. It That is... That is the thing a, that I I agree, like, kind of doesn't make her a great person. Like, yes, she's... Don't get me wrong. She, I think anyone should be so young. She started out as a slave. And yeah. yes, at first, she was a slave to the father... But he, again, thinking of the morality of the time, he did free her, he did marry her, and he did treat her like a queen afterwards. Like, even if you don't love someone, in that day and age, if they treated you well, or gave you all those things, that's a pretty fucking good life. You, yeah, exactly, for, you could be a Viking lot. lady. You could be a lot worse off. And you see in this movie how people could be a lot worse off. And she still betrayed him like an asshole. Yeah. Privilege, am I right? <laughs> anyway, but... So... But again, this this kind of is a through point for the re the entire movie. There's a lot of very ambiguous morality. Yeah. Um, and... I... I Despite me playing devil's advocate for a lot of this description, I think I agree with you that there's, by today's standards, everyone in this movie is evil. Yeah. Except maybe Platinum Blonde Chick, but no, she still does some fucked up... She feeds the LSD soup that makes the guy stab himself, so maybe not. I have less of a problem with that as her getting in intimate with the man that murdered her whole village, but there you go. Yeah, fair. We've addressed that. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, so you said, are they going to make out? Because the the queen, his mother, mind you, like gets up in his face like she's going to kiss him. And then does, which I'm assuming is why you wrote, oh, good God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and and she, while I was writing that, something happened and suddenly they hazed each other. I assume she stabbed him or something. No. No, he's he's horrified by the fact that she kissed him and is still yeah. just completely horrified that everything that he has believed, that everything that has motivated him to vengeance up until this moment is, like, completely wrong. Because his mother wasn't, she wasn't taken away screaming. She was laughing because, you know, finally she's free of the old asshole she was married to and she gets to be with the uncle. And she cackles at him and he he instead of killing her he just flees and runs and he tells platinum blonde chick the olga no, about no, not yeah what does he do he leaves the room 
and then do the oh thing. you're right yeah yeah he, he leaves the room and goes into the next room where asshole son is sleeping and in just a furious rage not only shanks him drops the sword through the son's heart through the bed into the floorboards yeah like it is such an I, I, and then does it a few times. Yeah, uh, over and over again. But I just yeah. love the the rage moment of just like, ah! And then he's just like right through the floor with the sword. Yep. Anyway, so <coughs> now then he goes outside and uh, he meets up with Olga. And uh, the two of them have a little... She's like, oh, where, where's your mother? Because they were planning on escaping after he killed the uncle. And th this was the night they were going to do it. I thought and, it... Okay, yeah. And he tells her... She's like, oh, where's your mother? And he says something along the lines of... Um, it's like, she, she's... I, I want all her happiness to be gone, too. I want... Again, he, he, he swears vengeance, but a softer vengeance against her. And she's like, you didn't kill her, did you? And he's like, I, I wouldn't kill a woman? Or something like that. Which is bullshit. Yeah, because he's been, as we've said, raping, pillaging, murdering villages after villages filled with women. Yeah, for years. Yeah, I think this was a bit of self-justification in his mind. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyway, so the next morning they wake up and the father is now screaming and crying because his son's corpse is being is, is like strung up outside the house and his heart's missing. Yeah. And again, like, this is going back to the Viking culture thing. Without the heart, I, I think that you can't go to the afterlife. Right. Again, all of all of these rich, all of these like ritual killings that he's doing, the the you know, face in the ass, the mutilation, a lot of these things are tied to how the Vikings viewed your path to the afterlife. Mm. It's interesting to me, like a lot of the ways that different cultures viewed the path to the afterlife because there are some that say that oh if you just follow this religion you go there uh, or like oh if you you know you're a good person you go there or it, so on and so on or the Greeks that thought that the afterlife was shit no matter what happened um, <laughs> the Vikings viewed like you needed to die in battle and even then yeah. you had a 50-50 chance of going to the good afterlife or the shit afterlife <laughs> and uh, I wondered, I just, you know, I wonder how that, you know, colors someone's culture. I think uh, we've established so far it makes them assholes. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, because he's stolen the son's heart, um, the father is grieving and um, he says, uh, oh, it's evil spirits and stuff like that. And then the, the his mother, main character's mother, comes over and like picks him up and is like, be a man. I told you this is this is your nephew. This isn't any sort of evil spirits he's here he's the one that's done this and like you know don't show your weakness now and so he he lines up a bunch of slaves kills one of them at random and then tells the other ones anyone who won't tell me what they know um they're gonna die too i see what you wrote he took his heart is he zelda now <laughs> is this zelda now yeah yeah oh is this zelda now i think <laughs> he got the end of the dungeon he got the heart he do 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, the vengeance cry is that. Oh, that oh, is, that's next. Yeah. That's coming up. Sorry, I I, yeah. I skipped ahead a little bit. Uh, so yeah, so the father 
is killing the slaves, he finally gets to Olga, and he's got the knife to her throat, and he's about to slit her throat as she says something taunting back at him. And uh, that's when main character is up on a hill and screams out at him. And I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something like, it was essentially like, I am this person, you've done this, I'm slayer of these people, and now I will have my vengeance. And <coughs> yeah. but before that, he, he says that he'll return, he has a sack, like a bloody sack in his hands. He's like, I'll return your son's heart if you, you know, let her go. Mm. And then he gives his cry of vengeance, charges out, beats the shit out of like five guards. That's what my next thing was about. So, why is he suddenly so against killing? I think I might have found an answer to that, and that is that the sword wouldn't relinquish itself. It wouldn't be. He was just beating them up with the scabbard. He on never. And I was yeah. like, that's stupid. And I think that the sword is stupid for not letting it do its thing. Yeah, he couldn't actually. I would not use that sword if there was a like a fifty percent chance that you wouldn't be able to use it in a battle. <laughs> he honestly stupid. He should have used a dagger or a club, you're right. He doesn't kill any of the guards, he just beats the hell out of them with the sheathed sword. Um, but they eventually overpower him and beat him down when he's like a, a few dozen feet, like a dozen feet or so away from his uncle. Uh, and then he gets knocked unconscious and wakes up again, tied to a rafter, like being beaten and tortured as his uncle questions him or like you know because he right before he gets knocked unconscious like he tells his uncle is that the next note uh so the next note is just before that uh it was him cutting the uh heart sack off of his belt uh oh, yeah there's a very close-up shot between the uncle and the main character the uncle takes a knife and it goes off the bottom of the screen and you hear it like slicing something him holding up a bloody sack and I was like oh oh it's the heart it's fine <laughs> it's yeah, fine yeah. he didn't castrate him um, <laughs> yeah yeah so the um, the uncle takes that and then right before like he's presumably about to kill him the main character goes like how do you know that's not the heart of a dog I killed two days ago or something like that you'll never find your son's heart and that's when he beats him unconscious and he wakes up being tortured because they're like, oh, you know, where's the heart? Where is it? Yeah. Um, they eventually leave him there and just assume they have the right heart and give a mm. you know, big Viking funeral to the, uh, the woman. Sorry, not the woman. The asshole son. Yeah, well. I say the woman because uh, the son's presumably wife is killed and laid to rest with him on the boat. And they yeah, have this big killed by them as part of the ritual. Exactly, yeah. They they kill they kill his wife, they kill his horse, and then splatter younger son and uncle with blood in this big ritual send off to the sun. Yeah. Um I always see you wrote poor horso in your name. Yes. Sad poor one out for horso. <laughs> uh, and then they get naked, the blood covered on them. Yep, and then uh, they like they scream that. Naked. Yeah, they, they the uncle is naked, covered in blood after the uh, funeral, and screams something along the lines of like, "My mourning is over now. My heart is full of revenge." Exactly. And they go to the barn to try and 
kill. And the, the, a Valkyrie carries the boy off. No. Or something. <laughs> so what happens is this is the, one of the only bits of the movie that like I can't explain through like rational means, right? Because there, there are other things that happen and the way they show it on screen, it's it seems metaphorical. Right. This is one of the only things I can't oh, do. Oh, no, I know what you're right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because the, there are a bunch of ravens come in as he prays to Odin or whatever. And they pick his ropes and drop him to the floor. And so his ropes is untied. Um, the thing you're thinking of, he has a delusion that he's being carried away by a Valkyrie. Yeah. But it's actually Olga. And really she fucking ugly Valkyrie. <laughs> who... Um, they were, they're meant to seem like ghastly and ethereal. Valkyries weren't actually meant to be beautiful. They were meant to be horrifying, um, and powerful. Yeah. It's, it's only modern reinterpretations of them that, like, have, have I, to be, like... I always understood they were very well endowed in, in Viking culture, which this one was not, but there you go. Valkyries were terrifying, because the Valkyries were the ones that carried you to the afterlife, and they only, they brought you to one of two places. You either went to uh, Valhalla or you went to serve Freyr. And Mithelheim? if you had. Uh, I don't think it was Mithelheim. I think Mithelheim is one of the other realms in Viking mythology. Because Vikings believed that there were. I think they believed there were seven worlds. You know, uh, Middle Earth was. Yeah, I thought, I thought Mithelheim was the underworld. I, you might be right. I don't remember the exact name. Right. Anyway, so he wakes up a while. They go in there swearing vengeance, and of course the barn is empty and just full of ravens. Mm. Uh, then he wakes up, and he had been having this dream about being carried away by a Valkyrie, and he wakes up, you know... In a hot tub. In a hot spring. Which there would be... A magical hot spring. <laughs> which would be perfectly normal to exist in Iceland. Um, and Have you read my note? I haven't yet. No wounds at all. The hot spring apparently came with shampoo, high quality clothing, and a comb. No, not next. I'm not one of that. Okay. Uh, so he was still injured. His face is he still. He wasn't. He was. His face. He had is... little bags under his eyes. And that was it. His face is swollen and bruised. There's cuts on his face. One of his eyes there are is no bruises. One there of his no eyes. Cuts. One of his eyes is half swollen shut. You weren't paying attention. He was. No, was... I was paying very good attention. His no, eyes were... were a little bit puffy, a little bit, and there they was nothing not... else. What is... He could barely open one of his eyes. It was like closed they were shut. Fine. Like he'd been fucking beat with a hammer. They weren't even like purple. I've had bruises worse than that on my eyes. They turn purple later. They start off yellow. God damn it. It looks very healthy. He lost, I will admit, he lost some of his injuries, but he still looked injured. It was clear that his face had been beaten to hell, and you are just going for contrivance here. He had had a small hangover. That's the level of damage on his face. Bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've, I've conceded points in this discussion. You are wrong. Oh my god. Alright, next point. So him and Olga, uh, they have a bit of a heart-to-heart, -heart, and he, he at this point he decides, you know what, fuck it, I'm done with vengeance. Like, he's like, he, he has this bit of a, 
a moment of this is the the climax of his indecision about whether or not he wants to continue to per, like pursue his vengeance and he finally decides that what he's found with olga they've escaped they're in love why keep doing this and he and her decide that they're going to ride off and catch uh, a boat to sail off somewhere, meet some of his other kin, and just live their life and just leave this behind them. They get to the boat, and clearly they're posing as someone else uh, getting there because they talk about how they talk about asshole son, like, oh, the guy's like, oh, where's asshole son? And um, I know it. Ah, asshole son. <laughs> and the the, uh, the they're just like, oh yeah, he took another boat. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And um, I see what you wrote here is Hitler has a boat. Yeah, the guy looked like Hitler. I'm picturing um, him in my head now, and you're right. He did actually, yeah, he had that vibe. Also, your video connection's gone, but there you go. Yeah, my, my camera froze again. Um, but don't worry, it's still recording. Uh, yeah. So the, the two of them like have a bit of a, again, another heart-to-heart -heart on the boat where she's talking about how they're going to live their life together and he's talking about how it's so great I, I i didn't think i could let go of my vengeance and then she tells him that she's pregnant and he no, hasn't doesn't she doesn't uh what he does he sticks his hand in the wound on her neck because that's responsible uh he and then he's like oh, i could see the family tree it's grown that's, you must be the well that my family is growing from. That and then is she's, not what happens. It is what happens. That is and then she's like, I didn't want okay. to tell you. What actually happens is he gently like caresses her neck because she took a wound for him. It's a loving gesture. And then she tells him, not outright, but in metaphor, that she is pregnant. And then he has a vision of his family tree growing and foretells that she's going to have two children. He sticks his hand in her wound like he's connecting USB and then through the blood like he did at the beginning of the film, he sees the family tree and sees the children hanging from it. Alright, go and watch this movie because Blue wasn't paying attention. Wow! Because this is... <laughs> this is going to be a clip? Tell me if and it you're was... going to look stupid, all right? You are going to look stupid because it was a fucking loving gesture. I can't put the audio in, <laughs> so I can't prove. <laughs> but she did tell him first that she was pregnant. It was metaphorical. She didn't go like, "Hey, yo, I'm pregos." She was telling no. him that she was carrying she his caught child. Uh, anyway, anyway, so. What happens yeah, next? That's the next is, note. Gone uh, from sex to known pregnancy in less than a week. They didn't have sex that long ago for the first time. It's it does appear short in the movie, but it's entirely possible that like it could have been longer than that. I think there's a reason at the time because I thought about this at the time why it couldn't have been. Um, so it was the night that asshole brother that had the sex dance and that. Yeah. And I think all the events after that happened concurrently. I think. I could be wrong. It, it seems like they happened concurrently. They happened very rapidly in the movie, but it's possible that it happened over the course of, like, a month or so. Um, 
either way, so he decides that, you know, since she's pregnant with his, his kids, like his family, like now that he has a family, he realizes they're never going to be safe because I've done all this stuff already. My uncle is never going to rest until he comes after, you know, my kids now. Mm-hmm. And so he goes back, jumps off the boat. She like uh, screams in anguish that he's going back because she knows she's never going to see him again now. And uh, he goes in and he kills. Well, he goes hunting his uncle. And he ends up going into his uncle's house. Oh, there's a random volcano has appeared outside the village. And oh, yeah, no yeah. one is panicking about it. Well, the volcano was there to begin with, um, but it, it, it erupts in this scene. Yeah, and everyone's super chill. Yeah. Well. You live in grass houses under a volcano. Why are you super chill? Chill. It's They're, they're running around screaming, but... Most of that is because he's shown up and he's he's freeing the slaves and killing random guards and stuff like that. You're yeah. right. You're right. They they are remarkably chill considering there's a volcanic eruption happening nearby. Uh, so he goes into the he he frees the slaves, kills the last remaining guards um, in a you know kind of a blood fueled rage, and then goes up and so the uncle goes out like he's going to confront him. But then what actually happens is he sneaks into the house and ends up getting attacked by his mother, who then kills, he kills her, stabs her through the heart. And then seeing this... Have um, you read my notes on it? You said random volcano. Oh, sorry. I, I thought random volcano was the end There's of the movie. There's two more after that. Uh, dumb surprise mom ambush. Uh, stabbed right in the tit. Yeah, yeah. She He goes right through her heart. Yep. Um... And this is what I think the child is actually one of the only good human characters in this. Because if you think about it, he's he doesn't do anything wrong throughout the movie. No, he Even, doesn't do anything right either. He so he jumps into the ball game to try and save his house's honor, which yeah. again is stupid, but it's it's understandable. And then at the end of the movie, here what's happening? Uh, like he he jumps out. After he sees his mother dead and like leaps onto the back of Big Viking Man and starts shanking him repeatedly, and I, while it, it's not, it sounds sorry, it's not smart, but it's honorable. It's understandable. Yes, but the child. I mean, even that point there, the only purpose that that child has in the entire film is to be fragile. Um. I also, dis- when he's I- getting stabbed in the back repeatedly with a knife, it sound- his, his acting makes it sound like he's just stepped on a single Lego brick, and he's like, ow! Fair. I, I, but I don't, <laughs> I don't agree that the child's only purpose is to be fragile. Okay. Because um, he's anything but fragile for most of the movie. It, he, he, he doesn't... He's not fragile. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. He's, he's a child. But for yeah, it's, it's two things that happen. Is he almost gets killed by a guy playing, you know, who lightly pushes him to the side, and the second time you see him do anything, he gets killed by a single sword strike. I would not describe either of those scenes as fragile because he's he's a ch- if if he was a full grown person and those two scenes had happened and everything happened the way that they did, 
I'd agree, fragile. But he's a child. Not, yeah, no, not fragile mentally. Fragile physically. The only role he per yes. posed was being, oh, it's a child. Children are it's fragile. It's bad to kill these things. Yeah, that's it. That's all. It was just, he's a child. He's fragile. Okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just like, you didn't do anything. It's, it's like describing the sky as blue. Yeah, it's blue. You don't have to tell me about it. Exactly. We didn't need it there. We didn't okay. have, some, have some point out and say, look, the sky is blue. Well, you just said, look, he's fragile. <laughs> yeah, because that's all his purpose was. We're talking about him. Oh, God. No, he, he served a much greater purpose than that. I... I like, he's he's a child, and yes, children are fragile, but he served the purpose of, like, showing that, like, um, that there were good people as part of the uncle's family. He served the purpose of fracturing the, like, the hardcore I want vengeance uh, motive of the main character. He showed that, like, the mother could care for people. Like, there, there, there was... Granted, he never had any agency of his own. Like, he never... Well, except for when he tried to stab the guy. But... But he... He serves a lot of other purposes in the story. Beyond just being there to be fragile. Anyway. Oops, there goes the child is the next note. Because he does jump on the guy, he gets stabs, and the guy reflexively throws him off and slashes him with the sword and kills him. Uh, the uncle wanders in, and it's clear that the main character now is heavily wounded. And he sees the uncle there, and he's ready to fight him. Uncle comes in, sees that his wife and son are dead, and uh, just slowly walks in, picks up their bodies. I agree with your next note, why didn't they fight? And I think this is where the movie goes into full this contrivance. This is film mode. director's thing. Yeah, yeah this is... This is from this point on, it's full contrivance. There's no reason for anything else that happens for the rest of this this movie. So, why did they burn the houses? Uh, yeah, the, all the fucking servers, all the guards and the bad people are dead. Why would you burn all the houses when, as they said themselves, there's nothing else around? Yeah. There's no, there's no other re... Again, full contrivance mode at this point. So the slaves burn the houses, again, for no reason. Uh, the uncle goes away with the son and uh, wife's body for no reason. There's no reason they don't fight. Um, he goes up to the volcano, and they have a duel in the volcano for no reason. He, f he yeah. does see the um, mother and uh, nephew's body there just, like, laying in the, the ashes, having sacrificed hence, another horse to send them hence off. The, hence the comment. Yeah, the poor horse. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I saw it. Um, and then they strip down to thongs and have a sword fight in the right. volcano. <coughs> All right. Did you okay? The, the the message after poor horse. So. Bladed weapons are the wrong choice for this fight. Yep. Yeah. Evil uncle Just has the... good tits. I wanted to read that before we move on. <laughs> that was... they're, they're fighting on a volcano. For a start, any wound is not going to bleed. Because they're literally stepping over lava streams. That shit's just going to dry up like, this, instantly. This was like pure cinematic wank, this last fight. <laughs> like, there's no point to it whatsoever. But there's they, more reason. But they, yeah, so it, it all resolves. And then uh, it's implied that his, his 
uh, children go on to live and become kings, and and you wrote even the kids look miserable. No, no, I said even with kids, she, she looks, looks miserable. miserable. Okay. She's permanently just. I granted that's just her typecast is looking miserable because that's what people like to see these days. Yeah, but. Oh my god, crack a smile. You're the only fucking person that survived the film. <laughs> and you had kids. And you've got to have a, you know, a, your own village and shit like that. And so on. Fucking yeah. hell. But that's, that's how the movie ends. I think... Um, final thoughts. So my final thoughts, I think that the movie was... It flawed, but stunning to look at. And I love the fact that the director took the time to learn Norse mythology as thoroughly as he did before making it. Um, yeah. You? Uh, I think it was... I, I, I can't even say it's a bad story. It wasn't a bad story. It, and it wasn't bad action scenes. But all... That the, all of the small details seem to be just contrived. There was a lot of contrivances, and the the main character has a lot of immortality main character shield uh, up until the end, where he's been stabbed like fifty fucking times and he's still going. I mean, hell, the king had an arrow through his neck and he was still ta- giving a speech. There were a lot of unrealistic uh, wounds. And yeah, so it's it's a good film if you're not an asshole like me that's going to be like, why is there a rock on that hill? <laughs> God damn it! All right, so uh, how, how many... many? Oh, go on. No, no, no I want to hear yours. Okay, how many LSD mushrooms out of ten? I would give it a solid. See, when we finished the movie, I was going to give it nine, but considering you have pointed out some flaws to me, I'll give it eight. <laughs> Eight, wow, generous. I all right. How many dead horsos out of ten would you get? Oh no! <laughs> well, if we're comparing it to a dead horse, it's clearly ten out of ten. <laughs> um, Fucking hell! No. <laughs> um, uh, six and a half. Six and a half. Six point three. All right, fair. You're you're being more generous than I thought you were going to be. Right. <laughs> okay. Alright, well this is going to be the end of episode. Enjoyable experience? Yes. Okay. Alright, this is the end of episode 7 of Movie Night. That got a... And uh, I think it's a listener's choice next. uh, Look forward to hearing that, because I I imagine it will be a little bit more of a light-hearted film when that happens. But until then...